Are you searching for a life that means something? Most of us wrestle with our significance. Pastor Jim Graff understands, and in his book, A Significant Life, he shares extensive insight and inspiration that can help us change the course of our life and live in the purposes God placed in our hearts. Drawing on biblical models such as David, Esther, and even Jesus himself, Pastor Jim gives us practical ways to step into our full potential. A Significant Life will help you understand your own worth as given and anointed by God. You'll learn to embrace the ways God has created you, experience transformation in your own life, and help others in your relational circles to do the same. Pastor Jim provides practical guidance that will enable you to live as a person with eternal significance, offering five C's that will direct you along the way. Developing confidence, being a person of character, concentrating on God's will, cooperating with God in carrying out His mission, and participating in community. If you're yearning to live a life that matters, a significant life is a must-read and will show you the way into your God-ordained significance. For your gift of any amount, we would love to send you your own copy of A Significant Life. Contact us today. Visit asignificantlife.com. That's asignificantlife.com. Today on A Significant Life. So this morning, listen, you don't have to go looking for love in all the wrong places. You can walk out of here today knowing you're fully loved and there's nothing you have to do to earn that love. The enemy will try to convince us otherwise. He'll try to get us to do all kinds of crazy things to be loved, right? But let's remember our identity in Him. We're loved. Last week, we started a new series called He Cares About That. And we're talking about how Jesus was human and how God understands our humanness and the things that we deal with as people. And last week, Pastor Jim talked to us about hope and how we as people, we need hope, right? It helps us keep moving forward with passion and with purpose. And Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that God wants to give us a hope and a future, right? He cares about us having hope. Today we're gonna to talk about another thing he cares about and that's identity. Everybody say identity. Did you know that God cares about our identity? Our view of ourself, it matters to him. Now we hear this word pretty often nowadays, identity. We hear it um, in you know, uh, all kinds of different areas. We hear it in politics from time to time. We hear it in religion, we hear it in culture. We even hear it in health and, and medicine and different things, why? Because we know that identity is important. As people, we need identity, right? And unfortunately, sometimes we're not very good at, at finding it. You know, we live in a unique time and we live in a unique culture because individualism is the norm. We all kind of have our own brand, right? We all have our own Facebook, our own Instagram, our own sense of style. And that hasn't been the case forever. You know, for most of human history, that actually isn't how things were. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but if we're honest, it can create some, pe some pressure for some of us, right? There are people who struggle to find their identity, to find who they are and why they matter. I heard a story about a girl. 
Um, she was eight years old, and she was the uh, daughter of a single mother. And they were going to get a house visit from the priest. And the, the mother really wanted to make a good impression on the priest. So she told her daughter, she said, every time the priest comes, he asks three questions. So the first thing he's going to ask you is, what's your name? So make sure you tell him your full name, which is Emma Jane. She said, got it. She said, the second question he'll ask you is, how old are you? So make sure you look him right in the eyes and you tell him you're eight years old. She said, got it. And then she said, the last question that he'll ask you is, do you know who made you? So make sure you tell the priest that you know that God made you. She said, got it. So the priest shows up and he goes up to Emma Jane and he says, hi, what's your name? And she said, my name is Emma Jane. He said, Emma Jane, how old are you? And she said, she looked him right in the eyes and she said, I'm eight years old. And then the priest asked a third question. He said, Emma Jane, do you know who made you? Well, Emma Jane got silent for a minute and she got a little bit nervous. You could tell she was kind of panicking. Finally, she blurted out. She said, oh man, mama told me his name, but I forgot it. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute, kind of funny. But if I asked you today, who are you? I'd probably get a lot of different answers, right? Some of you, maybe you would just tell me your name. Some of you, maybe you'd tell me a little bit about where you're from, tell me a little bit about your family. Others of you, Maybe you would talk to me about your job or your career or your passions. See, I've found that we as human, we as humans, we tend to look to a few different places to find our identity. One place we tend to look is we look around. How many of you guys would agree that we are creatures of comparison, right? We tend to judge our success by how well we're doing compared to everyone else. And unfortunately, social media is not always very helpful for this, is it? Because we can look at social media if we're not careful, and we can compare our regular life to everyone else's highlights, right? Social media is not always real, is it? It's not always the full story. There's also this um, saying uh, that says, keeping up with the Joneses. Have you guys heard this before? It's this pressure, right, to keep up with everyone around us, keep up with our neighbors, keep up with our coworkers. I heard this funny meme, it said, never keep up with the Joneses. Instead, drag them down to your level because it's much cheaper. <laughs> now, I don't endorse that, all right? But it was funny, I saw another one, it said this, it said, uh, don't keep up with the Joneses. I saw them at Walmart and their car got declined. I thought that was funny too. But how many of you know that finding our identity by comparing ourselves to others is hollow? And it could lead to a lifetime of unfulfillment and dissatisfaction and possibly a lot of debt, right? Galatians 6.4, it says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Here's another place we look sometimes. We look backwards. Many of us, we find our identity by what we've done or what we've been through. And it can be good things or it can be bad things, Right? But the truth is there are people here today who are limiting themselves because of their past. Maybe you've had a rough upbringing. Maybe you didn't finish school. Maybe you've done some things that you're not proud of. Maybe you think, man, I don't really know how anyone like me could ever amount to much. But I wanna encourage you with the scripture this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. Old things have passed. Behold, all things have become new. See, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we're a new creation. We no longer are defined by our past, but man, we're defined by his purposes for us. Amen? Here's the third place we look. 
we look in. Now, we've all probably heard this before. People say, I just need to find myself, right? And I don't know where this concept came from, but it's very common in our culture. The idea that if we look deeply enough within, we'll find who we really are. And I don't want to diminish this because I do think that there's value in taking time in our busy culture to to really know what it is that we're feeling. And, um, you know, I think this can be done from a good place. But I would caution anyone who thinks that that's where we're going to find our true identity. Why? Because our thoughts, our feelings, our passions, they're always changing, right? You guys ever wear a, a mood ring back in the day, right? That thing was always changing. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure. Who can understand it? So if you're a little bit moody this morning, there's your scripture, you're normal, okay? (laughs) As good as it is to take time for ourselves, we as Christians need to understand that our identity is even more than what we're feeling. So how do we find our true identity? In a world full of eight billion people, who am I? There's a scripture that's a story in Matthew 16 verse 13 through 18, and Jesus is with his disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi. If you pick it up in 13, it says Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do they say that I am? They said to him, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon, who's called Peter, he, he replied, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Jesus hadn't told this to him yet. You can tell by his reply, because in 17, Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice this morning that before Jesus gave Peter his identity, he made sure that Peter understood who Jesus was. See, church, if we want to truly know our true identity, we have to truly know our Savior. See, when I asked the question earlier, who are you, there were probably many of you here today who thought, I'm a child of God. And that's good. That's the right answer, right? But that only means something to us if we really know who God, our Savior, is. God, our Father. See, God has given each of us a beautiful identity, And the way that we find that identity this morning is we get to know him. Genesis 1.27, it says we were created in his image. There's a uh, famous French philosopher from the 17th century. His name was Blaise Pascal. And he said it this way. He got it. He said, apart from Jesus, we cannot know the meaning of ourselves. So our true identity, it's not found by looking around, by looking back, by looking in. Our true identity is found by looking up getting to know God our Father. My son Copeland is funny, he's two years old, and somehow he's learned that my full name is Michael Graff. So sometimes he'll call me Michael Graff. (laughs) And uh, I'll be putting him to bed, and I'll ask him, I'll say, who's your daddy? And he'll say, my daddy's Michael Graff. And uh, I've taught him, you know, his name is Copeland Graff, and I've taught him, you know, about family, his sister Cecilia Graff, and, and Christy Graff is his mom, and It's cute, right? But here's the truth. That will mean more and more to Copeland the more he gets to know his daddy. And in the same way, it's our pursuit of knowing our father that helps us discover our own identity and our own purpose. 
I like Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 1 John 3.1 is another scripture. It says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that's what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't what? They don't know him. So our identity is not based on us, but it's based on him. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I change all the time, but God never changes. He's steady, he's constant, and we can be steady too. So let's talk about what identity looks like as children of God. What impact does it have on us to be his kids? Why is it so important that that's where we find our identity? Well, I have a few things for you this morning, okay? Here's the first one. Because you are a child of God, you are loved. Everybody say, I'm loved. Now, I know this one sounds really simple, but it's very important. We all want to be loved, right? Y'all remember the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places? Yeah, I don't remember it, but some of you guys remember it. (laughs) We as humans, we need to know that we're loved. And when we don't know that we're loved, it can have a major impact on us, right? You guys ever met someone like that who feels like nobody loves me, nobody cares about me? It can be a terrible thing, right? It can lead to things like depression, resentment, low self-esteem. But not only is that a lie, but it could not be further from the truth. You're not only loved, but you are loved by the most important, most powerful being in our universe. You're loved by the creator of the world, by God. Amen. He knows your name. He cares about you. And you're so important to him. Ephesians 3.18, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his what? His love is. So this morning, listen, you don't have to go looking for love in all the wrong places. You can walk out of here today knowing you're fully loved and there's nothing you have to do to earn that love. The enemy will try to convince us otherwise. He'll try to get us to do all kinds of crazy things to be loved, right? But let's remember our identity in him. We're loved. Here's the second thing. Not only are we loved, but because you're a child of God, you are accepted. Say, I'm accepted. This is a big one. How often do we do things to try to earn acceptance, to try to fit in, to try to be worthy? We have a generation of people who are being lied to, who are being bullied, who are being made to feel like they have to be a certain way or do certain things to fit in. We have people who spend every day feeling like an outcast, turn into all kinds of different crazy things just because they wanna be accepted, just because they wanna belong. But let me tell you something this morning. Here at Faith Family Church, you belong. Why? And because you're a child of God. He created you. He's forgiven you. And he not only accepts you, but he chooses you. He loves you for exactly who you are. Now, he doesn't want to leave us that way. He loves us too much to leave us that way, right? He wants to mature us and help us experience all that he has for us. But don't buy into the lie that you can't be accepted. Instead, remember your identity this morning. You're accepted. You're chosen. And all you need to do is accept him, amen? 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness 
and into his wonderful life. Have any of you guys been called out of darkness and into light this morning? Amen. So as a child of God, you're loved. You're accepted. Here's the third thing. You are valuable. Say, I'm valuable. Some of you like saying that one. I can hear it, but it's true. Now, you see this guitar right here that Rico was playing earlier. How many of you guys are thankful for Rico? He does a great job, right? It's a nice guitar, right? Now, I don't know exactly what it's worth, but let's say that thing's worth about $2,000, right? It's a good amount of money. Let, let me ask you a question. What if that guitar belonged to Jimi Hendrix? How much would that guitar be worth today? No offense, Rico, but I think it would be worth a little bit more. <laughs> Why? Because of who it belongs to, right? See, in the hands of any regular guitarist, that thing is valuable. But in the hands of a master guitarist, that thing is worth so much more. And in the same way, when we put our lives in the hands of the master, our life is so valuable. Sure, on our own, maybe we don't see the value. But never underestimate what God can do with a life that's fully surrendered to him. Isaiah 55, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So don't underestimate your value in the hands of God. Some of us this morning are thinking there's no way I could ever amount to anything. There's no way God could ever really use me. Listen, the Bible tells us that God used a donkey to get through to Balaam. So how many of you guys think he could probably use any of us today, right? You're valuable because you are God's. God has a purpose for you, and he wants to use you to make a difference. So one way we can assess value is by whose we are. Who do we belong to? But there's another way to assess value, right? It's by how much someone's willing to pay for it. We know how much that guitar's worth because we know how much someone would pay for it, right? Have you ever asked yourself how much God was willing to pay for you? Everything, right? Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church family, there's nothing more important to God than his people, than you and me. The proof is in the price. Y'all say the proof is in the price. Not the pudding, that's gross, right? He gave everything. So don't let the enemy tell you that you don't matter this morning. Instead, remember your identity. You're loved. You're accepted. You're valuable. Here's the fourth thing. You're capable. Say, I'm capable. Yeah. I have a friend. Uh, he drives an old Toyota Tacoma. Thing's probably about 20 years old. And he's put a lot into this car. He's put a lift kit on it. He works on it all the time and um, keeps it maintained. Anytime there's something wrong with it, he, he fixes it. And if you were to ask him, hey, man, like, are you sure that you want to continue to work on this, this car? How, how are you so confident that this thing's not going to just give out on you? You know, it's an older car. He would look at you and he would tell you, man, this thing is a Toyota. It'll last forever, right? See, my friend trusts that his car is capable because he trusts its maker. And I wonder sometimes this morning, do we really trust our maker because here's the truth to doubt ourselves is to doubt our creator right 
Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's what? Masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Church, God has given you everything you need to accomplish his purposes for your life. Now, the key word there is his purposes. I'm not up here telling you that you can be anything you want to be if you just believe, all right? This isn't American Idol. I know. I know that, unfortunately, no matter how bad I want to, I'm never going to play for my Houston Rockets, all right? Although they were pretty bad this year, so this, this might have been my year. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but as much as I may want it, God's purposes for me did not include the NBA. But you know what? What it did include is going to be so much better for me and so far more valuable and fulfilling than anything that I could ever dream up on my own, right? Let me encourage you with this this morning. Don't get down on yourself because of who you are. Don't get down on yourself because of who you're not. Be thankful to God because of who you are. Amen? He made you uniquely for a purpose. And while the world may value certain gifts over others, God doesn't. You know what he cares about? us being who he's created us to be. Romans eleven twenty nine 29, it says this, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means that God has no regrets when it comes to who he made you to be. He says you're his masterpiece. And he says you're a part of his family. That's pretty cool, right? I came across a story. It's about a guy by the name of Jay Spites. And I saw this story on YouTube and then I got curious because I thought it was interesting and I thought it kind of related a little bit to what we're talking about this morning. And so I looked up an article from KHOU11 and uh, it explained a little bit more of his story. So I took some of that story and I wrote it down and I wanted to read a little bit of it to you because I thought it was such a cool story. All right, here we go. You ready? Jay Spites was a typical family man living in Rockville, Maryland. It all started with a push from his father to look into their roots. My dad said he wanted me to finish the work that he had started, he said. When Jay's father, Henry, passed away, the search gained another level of urgency. Soon he started looking to sites like Ancestry.com. Eventually, Jay had his breakthrough. He looked at an online database and found a match to someone named Hoan Lakonan Dika, which I practiced like 50 times, in the royal family of Benin a small country in Africa, just west of Nigeria. From there, one big question remained. How in the world do you track down an African royal family? Jay found his opportunity when a religious leader from the country was visiting. He showed the DNA results to an aide, and much to his surprise, the aide passed along the contact information for the king. Jay reached out, and after some time, he received an email from the queen of Benin. When the queen wrote back at 4 a.m., he said, I heard the phone buzz. And she said, we are smiling as we read this. You are related to the ninth king of Al-Adar. And she says, dear prince, we invite you to come home. We are awaiting and we'll have a big party for you. Immediately, the gravity of that message resonated with Jay. So he turned to his wife. I woke her up, he said. I said, sweetie, I'm royalty. I'm a prince. That makes you a princess. She said, okay, sweetie, but I need to get up at six in the morning. <laughs> Spice then journeyed across the ocean more than 5,000 miles to Benin. He planned the trip so that he would arrive on January 6th, his late father's birthday. At the airport, he was met by hundreds of people. People were just clapping, chanting, cheering. He said it was an unbelievable moment. I almost cried. 
I did cry later because it was overwhelming. There were many tearful moments. When we got in front of the palace, I just sat there for a moment. Just like, wow, this is too much to take in. Throughout it all, his father was on his mind. Once he reached the palace, the rituals began. He walked around the palace three times to signify a return. Then he was enthroned to formally become a prince. He was also given a name by the king, Vidicon Dika, which can roughly be translated to the child who came back. While traveling through the ancient kingdoms of Benin, he found himself at times overwhelmed with the emotion of it all. I guess the most beautiful thing was to sit in my family lodge, he said, and look at the cheekbones, the heads, the gaps of teeth, and I felt like I was looking at hundreds of cousins as I walked through the village. You could see it. You could feel it. There was a feeling of groundedness. As Jay reflects on his voyage, he said his message to his father would be simple. I found us, he said, and that's special to me. Now, if you've ever received an email from a Nigerian prince asking you for your bank account information, please do not let that story inspire you to give that away, okay? Why do I share that story? Because we all have an incredible heritage. The Bible says God, the King of Kings, causes his children. And just as Jay returned home to connect to his heritage, God gives us the opportunity to do just that. He welcomes us with open arms. How do we do it? Well, first, we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior. When we do that, we're made new. We're adopted into his family. We get to start fresh, right? Then we look to his word, the Bible, to see what it is that he has to say to us. Some of us have family cookbooks. This is like a family life book, right? How we can live in a way to experience God's best for our life as his children. If you've never read the Bible, I'd encourage you to grab one of our Bible reading guides on your way out, or you can download the Bible app and follow a guide there. Get to know who God is. Get to know what he says to us and about us. Then finally, we develop a relationship with him through things like worship and prayer. How many of you guys know any good relationship takes time together, right? And God wants that with us. As we wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you that regardless of where you're at today, you have a place and you have an identity in Jesus. The phrase in Christ is used about 140 times in the Bible. It's the most commonly used phrase to uh, describe a disciple. And it's when we find our identity in Christ that we're fully in touch with who he's created us to be. Or as Jay put it, that's when we're grounded. It's through this identity in Jesus that we know what it is to be fully loved. Say, I'm fully loved fully accepted, say I'm fully accepted, that I'm valuable and I'm capable. And here's the best part, there's nothing anyone can ever do to take that away from us, amen? Identity is such a big issue in today's world, isn't it? Some of us have had our identity crippled by comparison, Others of us have found ourselves protecting our identity or the identities of our kids from ungodly perspectives that are saturating our world. As we heard today, God alone knows best concerning our identity, and He wants to make it known to us, and He wants to nurture our true identity within us through the power of the Holy Spirit so we step into a life that's fully satisfying 
meaningful and impactful. Let me remind you that our free Step Into Significance email is prepared every week for you. It'll equip you to nurture and enjoy living out the unique significance that God's put on the inside of you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Pastor Jim Graff's A Significant Life Ministry invites you to be a part of what God is doing around the globe. Partnering with several local agencies in our hometown of Victoria, Texas, our mission outreach exists to share God's love by providing meals to the homeless, restoring lives through our women's shelters, and working directly with our schools to invest in our next generation. Internationally, we continue providing food and supplies for Ukrainian refugees in Poland and building homes for those who lost theirs in the ongoing devastation of war. Our work in Syria offers church planters ongoing training and resources to be successful and effective. And in India, children forced into sex work are receiving a first-class education and an understanding of redemption through our House of Palms. For over 30 years, our ministry teams have been a huge part of blessing the unreached, marginalized, and forgotten through prayer, financial support, and training. But we cannot do it alone. Won't you consider joining us? To be a part of what A Significant Life is doing worldwide, visit asignificantlife.com. Are you searching for a life that means something? Most of us wrestle with our significance. Pastor Jim Graff understands, and in his book, A Significant Life, he shares extensive insight and inspiration that can help us change the course of our life and live in the purposes God placed in our hearts. For your gift of any amount, we would love to send you your own copy of A Significant Life. Visit asignificantlife.com.